0: There's a saying from psychology that's come into our common speech, hurt people, hurt people. The point is that people who are wounded or stressed, psychologically speaking, are much more prone to hurt other people. In psychological terms, this is called defensiveness. We see this in play in our everyday interactions. All of us have been defensive and it can take a lot of different forms. For example, the kid who is bullied at school becomes more prone to mistreat another child. Or the dad who having had a very challenging day at work comes home to a mess, he yells at his family in a manner totally out of proportion to the disorder that he finds in his house. Or the priest who is in the middle of doing many things becomes less than kind to one of his parishioners. He displaces his frustration from not being able to get everything done the way that he would like to get it done. In part, this psychology tells us that this, this sad cycle of hurting people, hurting others occurs because the first person feels Powerless. And they desire to to feel some sense of control, some sense of stability, some sense of power in their life. However, they, they don't feel that they can do anything to solve the actual problem. The bully is bigger than them. The workplace circumstances are beyond their sole control. And the demands of a parish are too great. So, to protect ourselves... Sometimes we resort more or less unconsciously to becoming what we dislike in relation to another person. This becoming does give the person who undergoes it a sense of power, a sense of control, albeit very circumscribed and very limited, led by our desire to feel that security. Too often like the unmerciful servant, we demand that others pay back what they owe us. But brothers and sisters, it doesn't have to be so. We're not slaves to our passions. We're not slaves to our wounds. In fact, Christ comes precisely to make us free. See, and he does this amazingly because the desire for control this is not about desiring too much but rather desiring too little we're made to be free we're made to be able to do great things and defensiveness expressing that desire for power and control is is but a twisting a, a, a limiting of that yearning for true freedom we want to be able to be free to choose what is good, to see and know what is true, and to behold what is beautiful. The type of freedom of which I'm talking, brothers and sisters, is the freedom which allowed St. Paul to say today in our reading from Romans, if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. What holy indifference St. Paul had. Here's a man free from all defensiveness. He makes perfectly clear how he's capable of such freedom. He is the Lord's. His relationship with the Lord allows St. Paul to be so free. And living out of this relationship, in fact, becoming what he was meant to be in relationship with God. We're, brothers and sisters, we're made in the image and likeness of God. We're made capable of being in relationship with God. Day. We're capable of receiving God, being in relationship with him. And living out of that relationship, brothers and sisters, allows St. Paul the sense of security he needs in order to know who he is and what he is about at all times, in all circumstances. Regardless of the circumstances, St. Paul can relate everything to the fact that he is the Lord's. And lest we think that this is some type of stoic ideal which denies the emotional parts of our lives, let's be real clear about who St. Paul was. St. Paul was a man who felt very deeply. You need only read Galatians where he's berating the Galatians. I I mean that in every sense of the word. He's a father who's saying, wake up. He's angry. Or 2 Corinthians when he, 12, where he's talking about the anguish of feeling the thorn in his flesh that the Lord will not take away from him. This is a man who felt deeply, but he orders his passions and sees the circumstances of his life in relationship with the Lord, in light of that relationship. St. Paul's secret Was to know that no circumstance, no matter how grave, no evil that might come into his life, could take him away from the Lord. And the same is true for you and I, brothers and sisters. If we just recognize it. Nothing, no circumstance external to ourselves, can take us away from the Lord. We can choose to go away from the Lord. The Lord allows us, because he loves us, to choose to go away from him. But even if we do that, he loves us, and he calls us back to himself. That's the whole message of the gospel. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. and was made a man who died for us and who rose for us. That kind of love, that kind of love that we hear about and we profess every time we come to mass, every time we say the creed, that kind of love enables us to breathe freely, brothers and sisters. It enables us to act without trying to grasp after the things which are meant to be seen as gifts. And it enables us to have joy in the love of the Lord. We profess and we celebrate that love every time we come to Mass, remembering that He came for us. Brothers and sisters, I fear that you and I don't allow the proof that Christ is merciful to sink in and change the way that we live. This is the same mistake that Jesus points out in the unmerciful servant parable today. See that... The unforgiving servant, he does something very good. When he recognizes that he can't pay his debt, he goes to the master and he says, be patient with me, right? He asks for mercy. So should we also do. We are all debtors to God. We say that every time we pray the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses. We owe a debt that we could never pay of our own accord, but Christ has paid it for us. The master is not a master. He's a father who loves you and I. But after this, after the servant goes away, the servant doesn't act like his debt's forgiven. He doesn't have the joy that comes from cooperating with God's grace working in our lives. Why is this? Probably because he didn't believe that he was forgiven. He didn't, or maybe he forgot that he was forgiven. Maybe he just failed to trust the mercy of the Master. Ultimately, it was because he forgot who the Lord was and what he had done for him. Have you ever heard, brothers and sisters, someone say it doesn't really matter which religion you are or what idea you have about God? As long as you're a good person. It's just not true, period. As Carolyn Houslander says, she was a 20th century English writer, nothing, nothing matters more than having a true knowledge of Christ. We become what our conception of Christ is. God made us in his own likeness, but we have an extraordinary power of changing ourselves into the likeness of the idols we make. The servant's idol was a mean, demanding God, a mean, demanding master. And the servant feared that he would have to pay back his debt. And because of this, he was unwilling to extend compassion to his fellow servants. Because of this, he became the image, the very image of the master that he thought he served, a cruel, demanding taskmaster who is unforgiving and harsh. If we want to be free, brothers and sisters, if we want to be the people that we are meant to be, we have to start with our conception of God Healing our beliefs about who God is and remembering what he has done for us is the first step of loving our neighbor well. It's the fundamental aspect of being a free human being. If it's true that hurting people hurt people, then it's even more true, spiritually speaking, brothers and sisters, that healed people healed people when we discover the truth of both our own wretchedness as a sinner before God and much more importantly the fact that God loves us precisely in that sin and calls us to himself and heals us and raises us up to himself we can be free to love recognizing that the mercies of the Lord are not spent but are renewed each morning and that all is a gift we will not demand that others pay back what they owe us, but in imitation of Him, offer all we have and all we are for their good.